Okay, welcome back to Radio Grape. We are your hosts. I'm Jen. I'm Joe. And thank you for joining us once again. Uh, we are a topical discussion podcast. We also like to play some music. Yeah. And we like to talk about music. And um, yeah, uh, I think that's what we're going to be talking about uh, for our first story today. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to open... W- oh, sorry. What were you saying? Just before, before we start giving our uh, super hot scalding takes on um the the world music scene uh i should point out that uh the opinions expressed here on radio grab do not reflect the opinions of kbsr as a whole or any of its constituent parts this is our part of the airwaves to do what we want to do thanks for listening uh you can get a hold of us at we are trying show at gmail.com or find our instagram it's radio gripe tx and uh yeah get in touch with us let us know what you think and what you're mad about I think we need a little more structure, and I, uh, I'm i all about dividing up this podcast into segments like a fucking centipede. Um, for our, our first segment today, let's open up that mailbag, Joe. <laughs> uh, okay, one second. Um, well, I have an email from uh, Patreon here. Uh Black Sparrow just shared three images. One any furniture? Okay, one yeah, any, so there's, one any furniture. There's Can you describe the furniture uh, we're seeing in the mailbag? Yeah, it's uh, some of the uh, tables and chairs that used to line the uh, center of the Black Sparrow Music Parlor. Uh, you know the ones I'm talking about, the round tables and the nice ornate wooden chairs. Yeah. Yeah, all right. What are these going for? Free to any Black Sparrow Radio Patreon members. Or a hundred dollars for a set. All right, guys, you hear you heard it here. Uh, we are now closing the mailbag. Hmm. Oh, thanks for your feedback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and to anybody who's, we love to hear your feedback here on Radio Grave. <laughs> uh, and just to be clear, they're not they're not doing a clearance sale and just like closing down. Uh, Blacksboro is opening back up this summer, but uh, there's a couple of other businesses that they're joining up with and so they're trying to rearrange and change some of the capacity and how things are done so uh, some of the old furniture is getting put out of the way to kind of reorganize uh, but black sparrow does still exist uh, thanks to you patreon people and it's going to be back in action soon yeah, i uh, for one can't wait july 4th weekend i believe very exciting yeah um so i'll uh, segment number two <laughs> second set of legs uh Rather than just diving into the doom and gloom, I thought it might be fun to start the show uh, with a quick check-in. Uh, what are we watching? What are we listening to? Uh, what are we learning? Um, Joe, do you have something for us today? Well, um, I've been spending some time on some video games lately, honestly. I've uh, been looking forward to a new release of uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which isn't going to be for a while, but I've been playing uh, the original um, Horizon uh, Dawn Dawn event. I forget what the name of it is, but I have been playing it. It is really good. and uh, It's loud, and it sounds pretty good. I haven't seen it. It's the TV that's loud. Uh, <laughs> PlayStation has been offering a whole lot of good stuff up, so I've been taking advantage of that and getting good games on the super cheap. Looks like you downloaded Last of Us 2. I, I thought that was cheap, did. but... Uh, it's at $30. It is half price. Oh yeah. And, um, I went, I went ahead and just grabbed that up and I'm not planning on playing it super soon, but I want to have it at the ready for when that happens. 
when the time is right. When for the, the last time of this is a super depressing right. game, y'all. Yeah, it's um, rough. Other than that, uh, I, I stumbled across an anime earlier in the week, uh, "The Way of the House Husband," and uh, yes, yeah, we watched some of that together, and uh, very, it's, very good. It's very enjoyable. Um, I can't wait to see some more of that. I'm thinking about actually maybe going and picking up some of the manga for it because there's probably more of that available. I would think. I haven't mm-hmm. looked into it yet. And what streaming platform did offer this? That was on Netflix. Netflix. Um, on Shudder. Sponsored by Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> on Shudder, uh, Joe and I both enjoyed uh, Tammy and the T-Rex. Uh, alternately, Tammy and the Teenage oh, T-Rex. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was recently remastered by, uh, shit, what was it, Vinegar Solution? What was... Uh... I, I do not know. I am an asshole. I didn't prepare anything. But uh, yeah, this is a movie 1994. Masterpiece of 1994. Young Denise Richards, as well as Paul Walker. Uh, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not for very long, unfortunately. Paul Walker, um, I guess spoilers, his character is played for the majority of the movie by a, an animatronic dinosaur. <laughs> And this brilliant piece of cinema, and you can find this on Shudder, yeah. uh, was uh, recently remastered. Uh, they found the original cut that includes 10 minutes, uh, 10 additional minutes of gore that was cut out of the PG-13 release. Um, yeah, this is just the type of movie that could not easily find its genre, I guess. Is this a gore movie <laughs> or is this a movie for children? Yeah, it it's occupies. Kind of straddles a, the line. It's a. It occupies a liminal space. It's between. a. It's a Venn diagram uh, in and of itself. It's. I thought it was really, really enjoyable. I think that it had a self awareness, you know, about um, not not being a uh, super cohesive film, you know, and so uh, I think purposefully, you know, it was kind of thrown together and made kind of wacky, and uh, yeah, it was able was able to kind of make fun of itself too. Yeah, I had seen this chilling on Shutter uh, for a couple weeks, but the um, How Did This Get Made Guys uh, podcast talked about it, um, and this is where I heard the story that the director, who I believe is also responsible for Weekend at Bernie's, as well as Mannequin 2, which for a long time was one of my favorite bad movies. Which is why we have Terry Kaiser, the titular Bernie, was in all of those movies, including Tanning the T-Rex. Yeah, a brilliant physical comedian. Hmm. Um, yeah, and- he was great. Yeah, as he plays mad a mad scientist <laughs> in this one, but um, and uh, Denise Richards is luminous, luminous mm. in this mm-hmm. uh, as always. But yeah. yeah, so this guy, the director, he ended up um, with the temporary use of a uh, animatronic dinosaur that was about to uh, be shipped out to Houston uh, for use in some thematic format and. Um, if when life hands you an animatronic dinosaur and you have four weeks to yeah. <laughs> write, cast, and <laughs> shoot a movie, you ring out a movie. You really do, yeah. and um, yeah, this is pretty damn good, uh, all things considered. But uh, yeah, it was the um, how did this get made, guys? Who helpfully explained how this did get made to me. <laughs> um, I'll t- uh, also, and we might cut this, but. I just thought this was really interesting. I was just watching this video on Reddit. Um, so a couple of girls have a, uh, a spider in a jar. Not a spider. It's a sun spider. Um, okay. Sol- solifuge. Yeah. So it's an, it's, it's an arachnid, but it's not a spider proper. 
It's not a spider proper. It is an arachnid. It looks like uh, some sort of uh, the the product of a, a romantic union between a spider and a scorpion. Yeah, they 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 look unholy. They're cool little guys, and um, they have one in a jar. And what they're showing is, what one of them is filming this. The other one has her iPhone picture uh, camera or her, her iPhone camera open, and she is pointing it at the spider. And every time she puts her finger on the screen for the autofocus feature, the spider reacts in real life. You can see it react. She is interacting with the spider through the screen of her phone. Hmm. Um, It's kind of fascinating to watch. Um, And the girls are tapping on the table or Mm -hmm. even tapping on the glass and the spider is not really reacting. But every time you tap on the screen of the phone at the spider, it is reacting to that movement on the touchscreen so it's not making contact with the phone at all though it's no, in a it jar is in a jar which is yeah. like down three feet away from the phone yeah huh i i mean i know that there is some uh some amount of electrical charge taking place between your finger and uh, a, a surface of a tablet or whatever a phone i had to i had to kind of learn about what was going on here because i was curious about it the phone, uh, newer models of phone have the autofocus feature on the camera uses LiDAR, uh, which is light uh, detection and ranging. It's a basically um, a 3D laser scanning uh, to detect the proximity of an object so right. that the autofocus can know exactly where it is. Yeah. Especially if you're looking at something like maybe through a glass jar that's not like right up close. Anyway, it is it is sending out an infrared laser. Yeah. Undetectable to the human eye but can be seen by the solifuge. Wow. Uh, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. She's she's smacking it with the autofocus, uh, <laughs> it's, and it is responding to that um, yeah. infrared laser. Doesn't, doesn't like that laser being shot at it. It does not. It can actually it, see it. Yeah. It can actually see it. So wow. I, I just thought that was cool as hell. Yeah. That video didn't have a lot of views, but I recommend it if you can find it. Hmm. Well, let me get a refresh on my drink, and we will send it to the next Eurovision just happened. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I don't know how many Americans are 
following Eurovision. So Eurovision has been going on for, uh, I think they, I think I heard they started doing it after World War II as a way, sometime, everything's after World War II. I, uh, I had a feeling that the uh, this competitive, continent-wide uh, thing probably that, came up in that era. Yeah, continent-wide, um, even a few off-continent uh, entries um, this year, Some as in previous years. Honorary countries. Well, Australia. America's never made it, though. Australia. Well, there was an there was an American who made it this year. Okay. Uh, he was performing on behalf of uh, Malta, I think. Ah. Uh, Florida. <laughs> but um, thirty nine entries. The uh, yeah, okay, and it's sixty four years of existence. Last year was the first time it was ever canceled. Canceled due to COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very sad for everybody who had uh, worked hard uh to get their spot secured in eurovision Mm -hmm. um but we did get last year on netflix uh the story of fire and ice right that uh that will feral joint sorry the story of fire saga i said ice because it's uh iceland um will ferrell and amy mcadams right we play uh an icelandic duo who want to uh, get to eurovision i don't know if anybody watched it i enjoyed it very much so I guess that movie was kind of part of a uh, pandemic relief plan yeah. where we couldn't have Eurovision. So instead we had a movie about Eurovision. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, I believe that was created on the Eurovision budget. Uh, <laughs> that it is reallocated all those funds mm-hmm. to hire Will, Will Ferrell. But it's back on this year and anybody uh, can compete. The sad news is that all of the songs from last year may be lost to time. Uh, because they were not able to be performed, and the rules were it would have to be a brand new batch of songs for this year. Wow. Um, so we got 39 entries uh, from all over the place. Uh, this is being held in Rotterdam, uh, because uh, Duncan Lawrence from the Netherlands uh, won in 2019. Usually whoever the winner is gets to host next year, or has to host next year. Mm-hmm. Now, the big five, Germany, Spain, Italy, France, and Britain, are the biggest financial uh, contributors. Um, So they're guaranteed a spot in the finals, uh, regardless of how they've scored in the days leading up. Well, that sounds... (laughs) I mean, that's kind of how it works. Um, Sounds like payola to me. So they encourage there to be... You don't want to get too political, for Eurovision. So you see a lot of themes of love and universal peace, uh, maybe romantic love. Um, Belarus was actually disqualified this year um, for doing a song that was deemed too political um, and probably offensive. Um, uh, I didn't catch the song, but. Huh. I saw an article the other day that said that, uh, yeah, I think it's Belarus uh, has actually kind of like a strong uh, anti-semitic factor within their rap scene mm. uh yeah like culturally so weird the, the youngsters are messing with that more and more they they've been in the news over some things lately and so some kind of tangential or, or you know adjacent articles about them have been coming up hmm. yeah uh not a thing we're going to cover in this one i don't think though mm. well um yeah this was kind of a tester to see if um you know, you can host a you can host a big event like this, uh, trying to be safe and socially distanced as possible. Australia couldn't make it, 
um, because of their travel restri- uh, restrictions, unfortunately. Uh, Duncan Lawrence, uh, last year or 2019's winner, was not able to perform or hand off the trophy to this year's winner uh, mm. because he did test positive for COVID. Also, Iceland lost uh, one of its performers. They were not able to perform live. Not lost. Uh, he's alive, but he oh, also right. tested positive okay. for COVID. Yeah. And uh, yeah, how the rules work is viewers watching at home can vote, uh, provided you're not American, um, but are actually from a home com- uh, country entry to the Eurovision contest. You cannot vote for your own country. And then there's also, I think, a panel of jurists. So that, that there can end up being kind of a dichotomy between what songs are popular and who ends up getting votes or who ends up winning okay. based on like political <clears> reasons. Well, <throat> so you're not really supposed to vote for political reasons. You're okay. supposed to vote yeah. on the quality, the merit of the material. Sure. Uh, but yeah, you can get some big blowout stuff. Uh, this has been going on for a long time. I would say Eurovision brought us APA. Uh, Celine Dion was one of the previous year's winners. Um, this year, Italy's Maneskin won. That's... That's my set. That's my soundboard app. Uh, all right, shut up. Little bit of controversy because some cutaway footage to the green room during competition appeared to show lead singer Damiano David leaning over the table to snort a line. Uh, so mm, he. Uh, so wait, they're not allowed to be rock stars. I mean, is that why America is not allowed in? So obviously, rock stars, but you cannot use you cannot bring performance enhancing materials to a competition. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows that. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Damiano David said during a uh, press conference afterwards, "I don't use drugs. Please, guys, don't say that. Really, no cocaine." <laughs> he says he was looking down at the table um, very closely, very closely because the guitarist had broken a glass. Um, an investigation by the EBU uh, reveals that broken uh, shards of broken glass were found on site. Uh-huh. So I, for one, believe him. Um, he did offer to also take a, a drug test, so I'm not sure. I think the results of that test are pending. Yeah, congratulations to Maneskin from Italy. And your wonderful, um, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say like Nickelback-esque song. Now, they're they're not that bad, but they brought some energy. Um we brought some type of energy. I feel some type of way about this song, I guess. <laughs> um, you made me feel. That's all I ask. In a uh, stunning upset this year, the British musician James Newman uh, was awarded zero points. Zero points. He got a nil for his song and performance. Oh, wow. Leading to some fuming uh, on the internet about how fucking disrespectful that is, uh, considering that Europe pays for, considering that um, Britain pays for almost this whole fucking thing, and we saved your asses during World <laughs> War II. Where would you be without us? This oh, whole man. contest would be speaking German right now. These two competitions, World War II and Eurovision, are just so inextricably linked. It's sad. Some people feel like it was a crap song. Other people feel so like. What's, yeah, what's the deal? Was it. Uh... Was it a crap song? Well, I'll put a clip here and le- let the viewers decide for themselves. Out of the embers, you and I are gonna light up the room. I felt some kind of way about that. Yep. Some people say that this is some sort of revenge for Brexit. And sentiments oh. similar to Brexit are boiling up too. Why are we yeah. su- why are we supporting the the uh 
Eurovision contest financially when we get nothing but goddamn disrespect. The social contract of Eurovision is being tested here. Uh, and they're losing their values. Mm. Things are things are getting chaotic. For those of us who um, do not get to participate in the Eurovision contest, um, those of us from other continents, there is there is hope because uh, NBC plans on in 2022 having the uh, American counterpart to Eurovision, the American Song Contest. It's going to feature... <laughs> 50 contestants? 50, oh, God. It's going to be even longer and worse. Oh, my God. Uh, this could be like a week-long competition. Um, <laughs> Everybody gets a quarter of a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just 50 states, but also D.C. and uh, overseas territories are all allowed to contribute Man. entries. That's what... You don't get to vote there, uh, Puerto Rico, but... Yeah, D.C. and Puerto Rico do not get to vote. They do get to contribute, do not get to vote. That is the American <laughs> they way. Basically, they can now uh, be on American Idol, mm-hmm. except for an expanded American Idol is, is what this sounds like. Is it going to be mandatory? <laughs> so, cool. Uh, there's that, but there's plenty more. Um, we need to talk about some of the things Texas has been doing uh, legislatively and um, are now we understand to be recurring segment. Uh, I'm going to call it what, Texas Lation. Texas Lation? That's awkward. I love it. Cool. Hee-haw! It's the law! There's been a lot of things that have been going on over the last few weeks and in fact we're not even right now talking about the open carry uh, without a permit thing uh, that I think passed. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No, I as far as I'm aware, there aren't gun laws, uh, but every time you tell me that another one, you know, got more lax or something, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So um, what I have, though, is kind of a, an evolving story. So last year, Austin devoted to cut 5% of the police budget. Don't know what exactly that number was. It was $436 million or some such, and they... There, there's a lot of numbers back and forth. I went to a, an article on Austin Bulldog, and uh, they had a lot of this laid out. So I would just recommend going there if you want to really go over all the details. Uh, but they wanted to shift a lot of the other traditional police functions to other agencies like DPS and start spreading that money around, uh, which was nice. There was also $31.5 million reallocated to family violence shelters, homeless services, permanent supportive housing, substance use and treatment centers, EMS, and basically... Just a bunch of the social sectors that you know, need the assistance. Four million allocated, reallocated, excuse me, from APD to the Office of Police Oversight and Equity, and none of that might even matter. Right now, they're trying to figure out how to do the city budget and how to get this all in effect. But a bill is headed to Greg Abbott's desk. I'm assuming his desk is some kind of supervillain lair, some kind of brutalist McMansion shit full of goblins and trolls. You have to. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. I've never taken the tour. But uh, this bill, which applies to cities of 250,000 people or more, would cap the sales and property tax revenue that the city makes, essentially fining them for roughly the same amount that the city would receive in state funding for police and DPS. A chef's kiss on that is that it is retroactive by up to two years. So everything that Austin had already figuring out that they wanted to do, they're not going to have to be penalized for as soon as Greg Abbott signs his third, which he is most certainly likely to do. It just blows my mind because Texas is such a huge state. Mm. And 
you know, they, they say you could fit like 10 European countries in Texas. Obviously, population wise, Texas is going to be a lot sparser population wise than 10 European countries. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, randomly. But um, it just goes to show uh, the geographic diversity um, where Texas, you know, you have all these communities, be it cities or states or unincorporated townships spread out all over this giant landmass mm-hmm. that. Um, have a diversity of people and situations, uh, which is why generally we like people to legislate themselves uh, on, on matters of budgetary concerns, you know, on um, my, on minutiae, things that are important to the people that live within those towns. Right. But cannot be applied across the board on the, the scale of a state that is the size of a country. Uh, it just seems like when you imbue the the head of the government of the state with the power to uh, control what localities do with their budget and right. how they decide they want to have their citizens policed and yeah. what they've voted on. Yeah, that doesn't... Uh, that I mean, that's more of a fucking, you know, kingship. That's a hell of a lot of power yeah. for a governor of a state. It certainly that... doesn't go against the ideas of small governance or anything like that. You no, know? quite the opposite. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that micromanaging, and it's the thing is, is that this is a little bit more vindictive, I think. I don't think that this is a matter of public safety, because from what, I, from what I've seen, like the, the stats don't really bear that out. <laughs> we just kind of have this battle going back and forth that is, again, kind of more over the ideology uh, of, of the understanding of what police are, what they should be, and how people identify with that. So it's pretty ridiculous. I think I, it's I think it's petty, you know what I mean, to have this back and forth. Well, on the topic of legislating from the high tower, yeah, bad news on the pro-choice front as well for Texas. Oh yeah. Yeah, here we go. The Texas abortion ban. Uh, Greg Abbott signed this into law last Wednesday. Uh, this law prohibits abortions after six weeks. Uh, which is two weeks after one missed period and before most women know that they're pregnant. It does not exclude the uh, pregnancy, uh, the right to terminate pregnancy as a result of rape and incest. Um, there is an exception for medical emergencies. Skilled, uh, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that skilled and trained doctors capable of performing these procedures are likely to become increasingly scarce in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, though, so it might still be Uh, difficult to get that kind of medical care in the tragic event that you need it. The lawsuit part of the bill empowers private citizens with uh, enforcing it. They are able to sue abortion providers or anyone who helps anyone get an abortion Mm -hmm. after a fetal heartbeat has been detected. They don't have to be connected to the person uh, or provider that they want to sue. So this is, it's kind of unique the way the law has been written. Ordinarily, if you're, pass- if you're passing restrictive laws like this, it ends up going to court uh, for the courts to decide whether or not this violates Roe v. Wade uh, or, you know, play- basically is an abortion ban or places undue hardship on anybody trying to obtain abortion, which is legal under the uh, uh, Roe v. Wade decision of the Supreme Court. Right. But uh, plan, in this instance, Planned Parenthood can't sue Attorney General Ken Paxton because he has no role in enforcing the statute. It's the um, random citizens uh, who are tasked with enforcing this 
statute. So basically, Planned uh, Parenthood has to sit back. It turns it turns uh, private citizens into uh, uh, private attorney generals themselves. Okay. And Planned Parenthood can pretty much just sit back and wait to be sued. So, but I mean, what does that look like whenever it comes to the citizens actually... Like what? What authority does that give them to do, and what ends up happening with well, that? Because it, it has to be the attorney general, which is citing the laws and pressing the charges. And time will tell. But this is looks like something that's going to be played played out in small courts. So any random person who knows that someone got an abortion or suspects that someone got an abortion can file a lawsuit against family members, rape crisis counselors, medical professionals. Um, if this lawsuit, uh, you know, when this lawsuit goes to court, if they can approve that an abortion occurred. So they're opening it up to civil suits, basically. Yeah. Um, people who sue would be awarded at least $10,000 as well as the cost of attorney fees. Wow. Yeah. So just welcome to Texas. Hope you're a snitch. Yeah. Uh, this bill does not allow rapists to sue, uh, provided the rape was reported and resulted in a conviction. Um, otherwise <laughs> could be some interesting, um, court cases, uh, happening. Yeah, um, I could imagine, uh, a whole lot of probably false accusations, uh, potential with that, you know, yeah, this is just a mess. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Welcome to this chapter of the dystopia. I don't know what to say. I'm sure Planned Parenthood welcomes donors at this point as they'll probably need the funds to avoid being sued out of Texas. Yeah. Uh, but this is really, <sighs> Yeah, we better go to, uh, yeah, I suppose we better go to a song break and we'll be back on a related note with Bad Take Corner. Maybe an angry song there.
everybody, Joe here, just stopping in with a quick station break. I just want to say thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for listening to KBSR, Black Sparrow Digital Radio. You know how we roll here. Everything is uh, wholly independent. we got a Patreon community that helps us uh, keep it all going. And uh, you can be a part of that. You can go to BlackSparrowMusicParlor.com and look for the Patreon link there. Or you can look for the link to stream the radio live 24-7. Um, we're also on plenty of radio apps. If you use a, an app for a different internet radio, you'll probably be able to find us there. Uh, we have our own app also. That's a whole thing. Uh, yeah, we've uh, we got stuff planned. Uh, the venue, Black Sparrow, will be opening this summer, July 4th weekend. We've already got a few shows lined up. It's going to be a metal show on my birthday, Friday the 13th. Uh, yeah, good stuff on the horizon. Thanks, everybody, for pitching in and for keeping the station going and for keeping the Black Sparrow alive and well here in Taylor. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Also, of course, thanks to Trevor and the Mental State Fair for giving us the use of that theme song, Dying in Texas, and to Alex of the Spectra Static for all the other stuff that you're going to be hearing on the podcast version. Uh, reach out to us at weretryingshow at gmail.com. Hit our Instagram, Radio Gripe TX. Let us know what you think about the show. Uh, yeah. Well, yep, yeah, that's it. Let's get back to it. So we got a big bad take corner uh, on this one a little bit. Uh, bad take corner, everybody. The uh, there, there's this place, uh, Hat Greeks or Hat Rex. I don't really know. They don't have enough vowels in the name of their company to really work it out. Don't be such a boomer, Joe. I'm sure you can figure out how it's pronounced. Hat works. Uh, Haberdasher in Nashville uh, is going for gold in bad takes by selling stickers. Mimicking the star of David Patch forced onto Jews during the Holocaust. These stickers, uh, which feature a strong adhesive back in retail for $5 each, had the words not vaccinated on it. And uh, this comes right after old Marjorie Taylor Greene compared vaccinations and the Holocaust. I don't know if you caught that one. So there's another part of bad take corner. I, don't, I just don't see here's the bad the take here. I think it's a direct parallel. Uh, I Taylor, just can't understand why anyone would take umbrage. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I understand, walked back her comment a little bit. I don't know that uh, Gigi of Hatworks yeah, too late. Has, Damage is done. has done that. Uh, but as you might expect, uh, the brainchild of this clueless thought association of a statement doesn't understand why people got riled up by it. Obviously, there was a lot of uproar online and um the whole thing was was called off after a day or so but yeah there were even pictures online of uh lines forming outside of the store of people going in to like buy up the stickers um the the, the persecuted yeah yeah it's <sighs> she was smiling so big and the picture she put up of herself <laughs> where, sure rocking proud, this sticker. Very proud of herself. Very proud of herself. Very proud of the quality of these stickers and happy to offer them at only $5 a piece. Um, well, there's enough people who believe that the vaccines are not just they're wary of them because they're afraid they're rushed, but actually feel like it's some part of some sort of population control measure. Uh, they, they believe. I mean, God damn it. Last time I was listening to Alex Jones, they literally said this. Everyone I know, everyone I know of who's <laughs> taken the vaccine has gotten a stroke, blood blood clot, or heart attack. They're all dead. 
Man. So um, obviously Alex doesn't lie or exaggerate about these things. Sounds like everyone he, was... he knows is dead. <laughs> Can I just say it sounds like Alex was in the room with me? That was. So, thank that you. Was, yeah. Thank you. I've been working on it. Yeah. I know that was probably startling for you for a second. You had to look up real sharp. <laughs> Listeners at home, I know that that was just Jen. It was just with an uncanny impression. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, wait till I smoke some more cigarettes. I'll, I, I, I'll bring it. Smoke some more cigarettes, down some more chili. Uh, also, though, uh, Matt Gates wants to remind people that the Second Amendment exists solely to overthrow the government. <sighs> So that was Bad Take Corner. Uh, now we're going to do our regularly occurring segment, Conspiracy Corner. I always feel like somebody's watching me, and I no so yeah, there's been a lot of anti-vax sentiment uh, preceding the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, but there's been a conspiracy growing over the last month or so. Um, I don't know. I'll say it was about five weeks I heard about it for mm. the first time. This is going around mommy Facebook groups and uh, really kind of saturating uh, that those type of areas. Yeah, um, it's sad. Those are my favorite Facebook groups. That the vaccine is contagious and that <laughs> vaccinated people can damage unvaccinated people by um shedding spike proteins Hmm. uh to the non-immunized people which will then affect their fertility women are especially vulnerable to this oh okay are are spike proteins a real thing well actually uh, i have a little bit on that uh, a little bit later but okay yeah i just wanted to say that the first time i heard this and the the person couldn't really quite explain it either um it was just a I, I mean, I got the sense it was a turnabout is fair play when it comes to uh, COVID deniers, mm-hmm. uh, people who refuse to wear masks because, you know, I'm healthy and fuck everybody else yeah. has been going on through this whole pandemic, being treated like social pariahs or being asked to kind of stay away from me. Right. Uh, maybe don't come in my store if you don't want to comply with some simple safety rules that uh, that we want to put into place. Yeah, but they feel now they are unvaccinated and have the upper hand. Turning the tables because <laughs> now it's the vaccinated people that are spreading contagion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you're vaccinated, you... And people are actually wearing masks and staying away from people and... Um, avoiding crowded areas and uh, washing their hands after using the bathroom. Because the vaccination is so popular. Uh, yeah, more and more. Uh, uh, Just cases are climbing every day. Cases of action, vaccinations, yes, they are climbing every day. And you can't even tell by looking at somebody <laughs> who has it. Yeah, the first time I heard this, I was like, okay, okay. Does this have anything to do with the tracking software, the human tracking software that Bill and Melinda Gates put in the vaccines? Is, is it like, uh, is it like nanopart? You know, the 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 nanoparts that are coming na- out of this, out of the pores of the skin and going into the pores uh, of your skin, open wounds or, or face holes. And these people got a lot of faith it. in sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that was a little bit of a concern, but it's this conspiracy theory is kind of congealed at this point to it being uh, shedding spike proteins mm-hmm. that can not cause COVID. That's not what it does. Um, what it does is affect the fertility of mm. women that are exposed to it. They can have bad menstrual cramps. 
um, and that's the first sign um, or, you know, up to up to permanent infertility. You know, if you're pregnant, you can miscarry. But y'all, I'm just telling you what the informa- misinformation is. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not being uh, my, in case you're just tuning in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it can probably cause miscarriage if you're pregnant. Um, so this would happen. OK, well, I guess here's my question. Would this also happen to the people, to the women who have received the vaccine firsthand? Oh, yes, of course. It's a given. It's a given. Okay. And then the ones they, that survive. So this is how we start approaching our um, people are not reproducing anymore dystopia. See, yeah. I mean, this is what I love about these the theories. They're so clever. Like anybody who's seeing them on social media, especially if this is someone that you know that says, oh, well, I was around somebody who had the vaccine or I got the vaccine personally and I found that I really bad menstrual cramps, mm-hmm. which by the way, anybody who has received the vaccine, probably a whole lot of us did get some muscle aches and pains. Uh, happened to not be on my period when I did. So I really can't say what effect it would have had on my menstrual cramps. But mm. um, I, all I know is I haven't menstruated since I got the vaccine. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm bleeding as we speak. y'all. But um <laughs> Yeah, it's you cannot debunk someone's personal experience. So if they feel yeah, yeah. if they feel like spending time near a vaccinated person it caused them to have menstrual pain or uterine pain or headaches or any any number of things that are, you know, a little bit subjective as far as the um, amount of pain you're experiencing, you can't just sort of like debunk someone's personal experience. You can say, well, that didn't cause that. There's there's no evidence that it would. And in fact, it doesn't really make any sense. Mm-hmm. But that they, they that know what they That doesn't take away felt. from their experience, yeah. And digging in on this, on that it being women and children or babies in particular that it harms, um, just really, it, it has a whiff of so many other conspiracy theories, too the population control theory this idea that the illuminati or the new world order or the deep state want to reduce the population they want to do that by um, but where but look where are they going to get their sacrificial babies from if we stop reproducing do we want babies because we're eating them or do we not want people having babies come on get it straight oh man and there's i mean there's also vibes of the um to me the uh uh, you know, racist white replacement theory too. Like there's nothing more precious than the fertility of white, yeah. this idea that we need to be encouraging white women to, to have, you know, lots of healthy babies to main, maintain the, the sort of uh, Western white, uh, you know, hegemony. power structure, yeah. hegemony. Um, and it, it, yeah, if you think I sound crazy, then you haven't spent enough time in conspiracy theory circles. There is definitely an oh, undercurrent yeah. of that 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 floats a lot of boats down conspiracy river. Hmm. Well, everybody likes to imagine whenever you start seeing these vast networks of conspiracies, obviously you find your place in it being a target in one way or another. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because uh, that's obviously one of the more important pieces is how do I fit into this? Oh. And typically, you know, you, you find a way to kind of justify making yourself a target. And that's why you're inconvenienced about things. Yeah. Yeah. It's because you're the target of a vast conspiracy. And this, so when I first heard about this, um, the, there was a private school in Florida 
that had sent uh, faculty and teachers a letter about getting vaccinated against COVID, saying the opposite of what you'd expect a school to say, which is, it is with a heavy heart that I tell you, uh, what do we got? Co-founder Layla Sentner. I'm not saying you can't get the shot, but if you choose to get vaccinated, we need to keep you. We need we ask that you stay away from the students. Do not come mm. back to work in the fall uh-huh. um, because there's nothing that's more important to us than the safety of our precious children, which is why you can, you should not get vaccinated against COVID. Um, but what if the kids is vaccinated? <laughs> well, the kids, um, this only goes through eighth grade. So actually, none of the kids are vaccinated. None of the vaccines are approved for kids younger than um Oh, is that right? 18 or 16. Oh, okay. Didn't know. Now you don't. Now I know. That might change. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, there was also a, I don't know, there's like a hair or nail salon that, that banned vaccinated people from coming in. There's uh what do we got? Uh, Brothers Butcher Shop in Ontario banned vaccinated people from coming in saying that they wanted to... You know, some 60% of our customers are, are, are housewives. I don't know if they use that term, but women. And we need to protect our vulnerable customers from being around you vaccinated people. So they're, uh-huh. they're definitely turning it around or they're trying to turn it around. Yeah, they're doing some weird judo on this. They're doing some weird mental judo. So what what is, you know, viral shedding? Um, well, just to be clear, doctors um, are pretty much unanimously, uh, have, you know, have said that the vaccine, it has been decreed safe for pregnant women, breastfeeding women, women that are trying to get pregnant. Um, when it comes to viral shedding, it looks like that hasn't been a thing since the polio vaccine in the 1950s, which did use live bacteria to create the vaccine. Mm-hmm. It's no longer used now. But... Um, they found that vaccine recipients could shed uh, um, Con- contagion, and- contagious live yeah. uh, vaccine particles, generally through fecal matter. Hmm. So um, you can usually avoid infection just by basic hygiene practices uh, yeah. when it comes to these live bacteria. That's not what we're doing for the COVID vaccine, but don't get me... Honestly, I don't even want to get into the MMR. Uh, it'll alter your DNA yeah. theory. We're not, we're not even going to do that today. But um, also parvovirus vaccinations for dogs can Mm -hmm. uh, potentially infect other dogs with that little bit of vaccine shedding with parvo. Also probably poop related, but I can't say for sure. I just know how dogs are. Yeah. Well, I know that um, my understanding of parvo is that that's one of the transmissions. That's one of the usual vectors. And it is actually, uh, I guess. Poop? Poop? Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's actually a very difficult vector. That's why. Uh, if you have a yard that that has had a dog with parvo in it, it's you have to Could do infect the soil. Yeah, all manner of things before you let other dogs into that yard because they could also catch it. And also, like my cousin had a dog had parvo, uh, beat it with a whole shitload of money spent at the vet. Do you ever even get rid of parvo, or you just treat and it, it? And it came back later. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because the dog just <laughs> had it and it went dormant, or is because it was in the same yard. Oh gosh, you know. Uh, yeah. That's so sad how easily that's tra- You know, and I thought about that when I put the Facebook post out. Anybody want a dog park around here? Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand the risk, but dogs like to play with other dogs. Like, this is why we encourage vaccinating the dogs. Right. They get vaccinated against parvo and rabies, and now yeah. 
I mean, kennel cough is a kennel cough is another matter. Yeah. It's probably not going to kill you. I, for one, would accept a vaccine for my dog that specifically makes them a 5G hotspot. That's all it does. <laughs> like, I would be okay with that. You know? And I, I don't understand why nobody else would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why we're not doing that. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's about all I have to say about that. Just wanted to reiterate that there's no evidence of... Okay, that sounds really wishy-washy. Yeah. There's no... <sighs> Spike protein I mean, no, yeah. let's, shedding. Let's definitely occurring. be as as clear as we can be on our understanding of it. So it come it doesn't come from anything in reality. Right. It comes what from I'm, someone's brain. Well, what I'm seeing is that somebody maybe read something that had happened uh, in times past, and science evolved past that, uh, as in with the polio vaccine. And so we don't do that in science anymore. But people are like, oh no, it, this used to happen. It's a thing. I and, can almost guarantee you that this conspiracy evolved first yeah and the justification that, that we have to later. avoid vaccinated right. people because they in fact are the ones that are the true danger to society and then they found some something sciencey to justify that sure to justify that sentiment yeah yeah this, I, this whole thing sounds like a fucking troll to me yeah well i mean and that's what happens too is that like it could start as a troll but i mean there's just such a uh, an eager portion of the populace for that stuff they don't understand some, that it's that yeah, it's apparently a troll, some 30, you know? 30 to 35% of the populace who are highly vaccine adverse. Yeah. Um, which, you know, yeah, we're never ever going to reach uh, the threshold for herd immunity. And we just need to kind of, yeah. we just need to kind of all accept that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We've around town, uh, a lot of the businesses have backed off and basically they're taking it on a, Case by case, some businesses are still having their people wear masks, but they're not forcing it on customers. And they're like, basically, like, it's up to you. If you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear one. If you're not vaccinated and want to wear one, we're not going to tell you to take it off. I tell you what we're going to do. I've I've seen, like, a lot of just kind of people are figuring it the fuck out around here. You know what I mean? So my boss is, um, because we travel from, you know, door to door and go into people's homes and interact with the public, Mm -hmm. my boss has definitely been encouraging, you know, safety during times of COVID, uh, also encouraging everyone to get the vaccine. And uh, what they're saying now is that they're not going to require everyone to get the vaccine. I can tell you right now that some of my coworkers are definitely vaccine adverse. Uh, Probably 32 to 50% of them. Yeah. But uh, who knows? It could be higher. No, uh, I, would, I would expect it to be higher than the national average. <laughs> <laughs> higher than the national average, right? But um, but yeah, if you bring in your vaccine card, uh, they're probably going to give you a little plastic Livestrong type bracelet and just tell the customers, <laughs> for, for any of the customers that are like, hey, could you please send someone vaccinated? I need the inside traded. You'll have a, you'll have a little a You'll signifier. have that little mark that your company... Yeah. Kind of like a little Star of David. No, <laughs> I was thinking Mark of the Beast. I was like, like is there is Have there that a, little tattoo on your forehead? Is there the a barcode. UPC on it? Is there letting customers know that this person has been vaccinated? RFID. <laughs> there's plenty of places that you can actually go with that. I mean, I hear there's a nice black market for fake vaccination cards at this point too. There, you could go I mean, get the shot for free. Or you could spend five hundred dollars on a. I have no idea. Let's yeah. just say, you drop, know, drop a couple on the uh, fake uh, vaccination card. Yeah, you know that's another thing. I um, yeah, that's where uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene came in. Is the conversation about uh, 
you know, some employers and large companies are wanting to give special badges and everything for people once they can verify that a person has been vaccinated and so that they mm-hmm. can be, at, you know, on site and uh, everything else. Um, yeah, I people have talked about the vaccine passports and, and various like forms of like authentic government issued identification for this vaccine which sounds pretty spooky but it does actually make sense on a case-to-case basis that you would want to kind of, well yeah it does sound a little spooky and i i also honestly just feel like in a perfect world it's a it's a, it's a financial and uh resource expenditure that is really i don't think needed i think that like and because for one thing it's not gonna actually help anything things like that will only foment the kind of fear uh, and shit that everybody yeah, else is already harboring. I'm just like, how do you, what's the opposite of foment? Because I have no idea how to do that. Dismint? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Quell, I guess. How do you, how do you quell the, you know, I guess dystopian fears related to there being in a, being some sort of emerging second class citizen that refuses to get the vaccine and therefore remains contagious. Well, uh, that's a good question. Or potentially, I should say potentially contagious. I mean, that's a good question. And really the only thing I have is that you, you just give it time and trust and you try to let the facts bear themselves out and you try to extend trust to the other people in your society that disagree with you, even when they're being like, very extreme in their views you you have to just stay resilient and trust that time will bear out things in the right and uh, i I don't know about i don't know about i mean that's how but time (sighs) i don't have a lot i i don't have a lot of especially after the last couple years i feel like things are just crescendoing in this sort of mass hysteria we're all living through I feel it myself. I wake up in the morning, I have a cup of coffee, and I settle into a vague hysteria, and then I live my life that way. <laughs> that sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does this seem strange to you? Confetti, the balloons of my white grins. The victory dance you welcome in the air to a state of disrepair. This sure seems strange to me. They're acting like they won the lottery. Shouldn't they feel terror? The task that lies ahead Defeated house of people The system's left for dead And could I have hit the nail much harder on the head? It's promised me for lives They are motivated by greed First they taught us to depend On their nation states to men Our tired minds, our broken bones, our bleeding limbs And now they sold up all the splits And contracted out the tourniquets we jump through hoops, then we might just survive. Is this what we deserve? To the palace floors. To fight amongst ourselves. As we scramble for the crumbs, they spit out. Fucking at the mouth about the stickles that they've chosen for us. With every racist pointed finger. So I wanted to talk about the Colonial Pipeline hack. Uh, I didn't like prep stuff for it. I've just kind of read up on it 
over the time that it's been happening. Oh, yeah. So quick recap, y'all. The um, What did this happen three weeks ago now? Yeah, sounds about right. We just haven't gotten around to it because uh, we were. I was kind of waiting to see if we were going to get affected in Texas. If there was going to be panic gas buying in Texas, mm-hmm. there was not. But it wouldn't be the first time we've manufactured our own gas crisis yeah. uh, also. No, we're pretty good at that at this point. We've done it. We've done it couple few times i think that some people here like tried to try to get it started but it didn't really get traction because more people know that that pipeline serves you know the eastern seaboard and uh it it wouldn't directly affect us uh, right anyway we have other pieces of infrastructure keeping us in check but But it was it was the price gouging people were worried about you know yeah um the colonial pipeline services it runs from texas to new jersey and it services uh, actually half of the East Coast, mm-hmm. or a little less than half. Um, so the, when they shut down, that is definitely going to create a panic and uh, a little bit of a shortage. And when you have panic buying that, um, we, you know, well, a lot of us have seen some memorable images of people filling up any type of container they can find with gas, yeah. really making a run on those gas stations uh, before the pumps run dry. We've seen the images of people with their trash bags full of gasoline. Ridiculous, yeah. Oh my gosh, I hope they made it home safely. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I haven't heard about an uptick in uh, unexpected fires or anything. Um, Explosions. Well, to say about... Uh, oh, oh, shit, hold on one second. Fuck off. I can't believe I don't have an explosion sound. Wait, it's probably under bomb. It's probably under bomb. Fuck off. Yeah, you can cut that. There isn't even a fucking explosion or bomb sound effect. The network that they have is uh, split into a couple of things. They have like the operational network, which actually controls parts of the pipeline to allow fuel to flow and to also measure the fuel and everything else like that. And then there's like the uh, internal company network, which is more for communications between different parts of it and, uh, you know, billing and things like that and so what these hackers did uh what dark side dark side uh they had actually gotten into the administrative side and uh with their it and everything else and they had basically kind of taken away insofar as the ability of the uh operational pipeline they basically just said you don't know how much is flowing through there and my understanding is that they didn't even really intend to harm the operational pipeline at all it's just that when billing went down within the company the company decided to kind of shut down most all of it or a fair portion of it because they didn't want the uh, damage to spread i read this article that was all about how their cybersecurity and everything is is thrown together and as you might expect colonial has not put a lot of emphasis on cybersecurity. their owners are coke industries the quebec deposit and investment fund shell pipeline Australia's IFM, which is a private equity firm. Um, The company was built by nine oil companies and only two are involved in its operation today. The rest are investment firms. So they're actually only like one third companies that usually handle infrastructure like this and two thirds just financial institutions. So they're running it most certainly with, you know, profit forward. They've been introducing automation and trying to just network the hell out of their systems over the years to try to reduce operational costs. Um, so this was 
kind of bound to happen. It's their own fault. And the only reason there was a shutdown at all is because they didn't know how much uh, to charge people. And so they they would lose money. And yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. You'd lose some money. But uh, that's really, you hit them in the bottom line. And that's how you get a company like Colonial to pay out $4.4 million in Bitcoin, <laughs> which they did, in fact, pay out to uh, the hacker group Darkside. Now, these types of hacks, they actually happen, they've happened kind of a lot, um, but usually it's quiet because it doesn't affect um, a, a whole lot of people's ability to get gas. Mm-hmm. And Darkside has, I guess, tried to have like a good reputation in... Well, they say that they're apolitical. Crypto ransomware or, um, you know, uh, crypto crypto extortion, mm-hmm. I guess. And yeah, I was looking for their mission statement because I really like, uh, we are apolitical. We do not participate in geopolitics. You know, that this is an Eastern European uh, company. Our goal is to make money, not create problems for society. From today, we introduce moderation and check each company that our partners want to encrypt to avoid social consequences in the future. They are now um, trying to distance themselves from the Colonial Pipeline hack uh, due to some uh, some backlash that they've gotten, global back- backlash that they've gotten. It says it has a code of ethics and states the hackers will never attack hospitals, schools, universities, nonprofit organizations, and government agencies. Uh, the group only targets English-speaking countries. And appears to avoid former Soviet companies. So yeah, there is a little bit of speculation about the fact that they're a Russian hacker group, and are they kind of like, like a nation-state operation or whatnot? You know, they're saying they're not, and I wouldn't believe them. Uh, but who knows? Oh wait, it says it's shutting down. Colonial Pipeline hacker Darkside says it will shut down operations. So I guess we can expect them to regroup under a different under a different name, sure. a little bit more, uh, a little bit less high profile. I would imagine. Uh, but yeah. also, what did you say? Four point four mil. Mm-hmm. They got from this one operation. Yeah, they can. Uh, they can. Re- they can they retire. Can retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could take some time off. You know what I mean? It won't be a thing. It takes a lot of money to be a high profile criminal, though. That's why you gotta. We got to get back in the game. Typically, um, I do just I wanted to bring it up mainly just to say that. So this is something that uh, they made good on their their promise to release all the software uh, from ransomware uh, after the ransom was paid and everything else. Uh, the only real damage that anything uh, that happened here is that the bottom line for this company got hurt. And uh, some people had, were inconvenienced, uh, but they were inconvenienced more by the actions of the company than the actions of as the long, hackers. Man, as long as nobody goddamn blew up, all the gas flying fast and loose during the panic buying. Yeah, again, I, I wouldn't hold the hackers responsible for the actions of a bunch of fucking dumbasses. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think that the story does highlight, though, yeah, money and the bottom line is the bottom line, like, all over. That's what the whole story is about. And... Uh, even down from people, like I say, on this on this granular level of people trying to fill up trash bags full of gasoline and what kind of things. Uh, that's only <laughs> it's brought about because this fucking company was just worried about losing some money. And lost money they did. And fuck them. You know, honestly. Coke, Coke Industries, I'm not a fan. Sorry. Now, I, I say that, and I'm not going to like praise this next guy or anything because he's a big drug dealer. 
But this is my story I'm going out on. He's a big drug dealer, but he's probably more ethical than the Cook brothers. Yeah. Um, but uh, it also kind of dovetails with this nicely. There's a little bit of tech involved. This is our hacker section, I guess. Over there in Liverpool in England, Carl Stewart, a big-time drug dealer and cheese appreciator, shared a picture of some mature blue Stilton through EncroChat. Would you say cheese gourmand? I don't know that he was. I just know that he was super proud of this one block of cheese that he that he bought i don't i wouldn't call him an aficionado or anything because i don't know that he has tons of pictures of cheese uh in his criminal feed we know he appreciates some cheese on some level uh at the very least he probably enjoys spending a lot of money on a small amount of cheese so he put this picture up of some mature blue stilton on encrochat which is an encrypted messaging service used almost exclusively by criminals funnily enough it was uh, infiltrated by police last year in a massive operation. And so even though he wasn't like taking a selfie with the cheese, his, his face wasn't in it. Uh, he had a few fingertips that were pretty prominently displayed. And yeah, the police straight CSI'd this picture. Enhance. 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 Just print the damn thing to lift his fingerprints out of the image and identify him. Can I ask you this? Him. Because I'm really impressed by the creativity, ingenuity, and skill um, of the police. What police are we talking about exactly? Uh, it didn't say Scotland Yard. It just said police and authorities. So I imagine like maybe uh, some local bobbies. I don't fucking know. So... It could be Scotland Yard for all I know. It, just, uh, it didn't mention it in the article. That's pretty fucking wild. Well, go on. Well, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Mainly just uh, to bring up the fact that that technology and people being uh, ingenious in that way of trying to figure something out and ultimately being able to do it. So this guy this posted a picture, time. not of his face, but simply of, of his hand holding hmm. some um, aged blue Stilton uh-huh. on a encrypted website, an encrypted S- social media site. Allegedly. Allegedly well, yeah. encrypted well, it was encrypted, site. but it was also compromised. Uh, that was compromised by the police, mm-hmm. and they did not lack uh, let the lack of this man's identifying features in this picture stop them from obtaining his fingerprints from the cheese pick. Yep. And they, I mean, and obviously, you know, his fingerprints had to be uh, in a in a database on file, so he probably had like some past offenses or some such, but they were able to match them up and find his identity and then I connect guess, uh, him to some specific crimes to a uh, conspiracy to distribute large amounts of heroin ketamine and all kinds of like heavy narcotics yeah so i guess the lesson here is we are no longer showing our faces mm-hmm. uh we are changing the ips uh, from which we post uh-huh. so it can be traced to one person and we are or I guess we're using our, v- our VPNs, mm-hmm. and we are also not displaying our fingertips in Don't the photos that. that we post. Yeah. I had seen in this article that this wasn't the first time that this had happened, but there was no links, there was no context as for when it, when it had happened before, you know. But, um, yeah, uh, even, you know, tattoos have been a thing that uh, they've tried to bust people on and identify people with in the past, obviously. But, yeah, yeah. Um, Technology getting buck wild out there. So true. Crazy. It's a it's a fun time to be alive. As long as you're not Colonial Pipeline, I guess. 
Well, yeah, that's going to be it. Uh, thanks for tuning into the show. Um, don't know if we let let on with this, but uh, we're we're doing a mashup where we're recording during the day and we're drinking. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe the flow is a little bit different. I, I think it's felt all right. I'm going to take a little nap before I edit. In all fairness, I am drinking grapefruit juice mimosas. Mm-hmm. Grapefruit juice and Andre. They've been good. And I open up one beer just to kind of close out the show with. And then, uh, yeah, then we'll get all the rest of it together. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, hope you all caught that Patreon episode that we have up, in case you didn't know about it and you're a Patreon member. Uh, we've got a big episode where we talked a whole lot about rock in the 2000s. You can go check that out. And uh, go check out everything else on the network, KBSR. Obviously, we need to give thanks. Jen, who do you want to thank? I'd like to thank... Trevor and the Mental State Fair for providing our intro outro music. And, and uh, I'd like to thank. Well, I didn't know if you were. I thought maybe you were going to do no, that. No, yeah, I, I think that's a great thank. I would personally like to thank Alex Cuervo of Spectrostatic uh, for giving the use of all the other stuff that you're going to hear here and there in the show. Um, go check out Spectrostatic's uh, Bandcamp where he's got his own website, tons of stuff. And thanks, of course, to KBSR and to you, uh, anonymous listener. Now we probably know you in person. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Having said that, I would just like to say one more time, our email is we're trying show at gmail.com. Anything that you don't want to say to our face, say it to our email. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again next week. Bye.